Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a really important subject, a subject that teenagers are telling us is most relevant to them when we meet with them and discuss the problems in their school. And that subject is apathy. So we're going to talk about some of the reasons for apathy and some of the remedies to apathy. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Athletes, this is Dustin. Hey, I want to share something with you really quick. I'm just pulling out of a school that I met with. I had about 30 or so kids in the group, and a topic came up that has come up at several other schools in the last couple weeks, and that's the topic of apathy. It's been a word that I've been throwing out to kids and asking them to give me their thoughts on it and whether or not they feel like there's a sense of, of apathy in their school and i've been surprised at how many people have said yes that it's a major problem that they feel like in some cases at the school i was just at 30 of the kids of the 31 kids in the room felt that apathy was the number one issue that was hurting their school Uh, apathy is defined as lack of enthusiasm or energy or care for something so when we just don't care about the outcome we don't care whether or not uh, something goes one way or the other. We, it just doesn't matter to us. We're apathetic. And that's a very dangerous thing. Apathy is a poison that destroys teams, it destroys businesses and schools and communities and people. We have to care, but why don't we? Why uh, is a question I've been wondering. Why do so many kids feel apathetic? And I, I wonder if it's because maybe we have too many kids that don't feel like they have worth or that they have something to give. Um, including adults that we just don't have value to offer the world. And, you know, as I meet with thousands of you kids and, and adults out there with, with what I do, I realize that we all have value. We all have skill sets and things to share with each other. We just don't realize it. It rewind, reminded me of a quote I shared uh, hundreds of times by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said that to everybody they are superior to me in something, and to that I learn of them. Now, he's wise if that's true, that he tries to learn what it is that the other people do or know that, that better than him, that they're superior at than he is, and he, he tries to learn that thing from them by talking to them. I take from that that I agree. Everybody is superior at something. Everybody has experiences that are unique to them that we all are, are built a certain way because of those experiences and the lessons we've learned. We all have skill sets and talents that we're, that other people don't possess. We just got to understand that and then be willing to share them and talk. And we need to be willing to ask other people to share their talents and skill sets with us. Everybody has worth. Everybody has value. Everybody that you meet is superior to you in something. Treat them that way treat them with dignity, be kind and and patient with people. And to those of you that maybe aren't feeling that you have anything to give and you're feeling a little bit apathetic towards life, we need you. Please don't feel that way. Please understand how valuable you are to us. Everybody's got value. Everybody's needed in order to make the world a better place. Everybody's got to provide you know, that which they can provide and, and everybody's got something. So I just wanted to you know, bring that up. Maybe as you go about your day to day, if you start to feel a little bit apathetic, 
maybe do something kind for somebody, uh, say something friendly or, or do some service for somebody and realize that you can make a difference and that when you serve other people, you're going to make them feel better and happy and you're going to feel more worth and more value to the world. We all have stuff to give. We just need to give it. Eyes up. Do the work. Well, Dustin, that was a, an Instagram post that you made that got some good traffic on our Instagram page. Just as a reminder, before we start talking about this, those of you who are on social media, we're on all forms of social media. If you go to E4A Family on Twitter or Especially for Athletes on Instagram and Facebook, Especially for Athletes on TikTok, we share these little messages, little snippets of our of our podcast that, that we'd like to share with others. But you felt the you know, just the need to make that video to share those thoughts right after you had met with a group of youth. And so what was on your mind as you, as you made that post? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, anybody who has kids knows that, you know, there's days that they're just don't want to do much. They're pretty, you know, (laughs) relaxed and, and they're fine with just sitting on the couch. Um, but it's it can become a problem, and and I, you know, when we speak to schools or teams or whatever, we try to make that distinction between the importance of rest and sometimes getting away even from the game or the sport that you play for a minute. For adults, that might be you know we need vacation time, we need the weekends, we need a breather, but also letting that creep into you know just not being active and not doing much. And there's a difference there. There's, there's resting and not, you know, letting our minds get away from our everyday tasks and duties. And then there's getting to the point where we don't care and we don't have any energy to do those things because we become apathetic. And that's when it becomes a problem. And First, when I used to bring that subject up, when I would talk to teenagers, many of them didn't really know what the word meant. They'd, know, they'd heard it before, but they weren't really sure, you know, what the word was. We've probably brought this up before on these podcasts, but I think it's important as parents that we remember and coaches, we have to assume a little bit more that when we talk about some of these subjects that it's possible a 14-year-old kid or whatever hasn't had the definition of apathy explained to him yet or her or, or resiliency is another one that people have heard it. Kids, but kids think it just means being tough. You know, they, they don't really understand what it means. So in the, once apathy sort of started to get explained to these kids, more and more of them would raise their hand and say, I think that might be the biggest problem we have at our school or on our team. And, and I went to another school and the same thing came up and I went to another school and the same thing came up and where the answers used to be, oh, I think alcohol abuse, or I think cheating, or I think, you know, some of these mental health, some of these other issues that we discussed. Now you could put apathy in the mental health box. It is one of the signs of, of some mental health or depression. Um, however, it was pretty overwhelmingly the, uh, consistent that the most of the kids were really strong on apathy, apathy, apathy. That's a problem at our school. It's a problem on my team. And so not really diving in too much with those schools and those kids, I started wondering why was that and started diving into a little bit more. And that's what I've been doing recently. And I think why 
you and I have felt the need to want to talk a little bit more about it. And so I'm, I'm kind of, we're recording this podcast really in my mind with the idea of what have we seen in our experiences with, you know, you're, you're, you've been teaching and working with teenagers for 20 years. I've been in the, in the coaching world for 20 years and we both speak regularly to large groups um, and have kids that are in that age group. What is it? Why is it? And why does, why do parents feel it? And I think it's something we need to discuss. We need to understand some of the signs of it and maybe discussing this in an episode, come up with some ideas or some, some helpful tips as coaches and parents to how we can change it and address it. Yeah. And I love one of the things you brought up in that video, because I've been thinking a lot about it since I saw the, your thoughts on that after coming out from meeting with a group of kids. And that is that one of the things, so I, I'd love today to talk about reasons and remedies, you know, um, one of the reasons why some of our youth might feel apathetic is because they don't feel like they have value to offer to the world. And that was something that was kind of on your heart as you walked out from meeting with those, those kids. Tell me more about that. I would love to discuss that a little bit yeah. about how that could lead to apathy. And, and then maybe some of your thoughts on, okay, so if that's what's leading to it, what are some of the remedies? What are some of the things that parents, coaches, and athletes could do with one another to help alleviate that um, reason for apathy? Well, some of the signs of apathy, Shad, include, and this, this I'll tie this into your question there, difficulty completing everyday tasks, feelings of indifference, lack of emotion, lack of interest in activities, lack of motivation to accomplish goals, low energy levels, reduced participation in activities, unemotional in response to positive and negative events, which is interesting, positive and negative events that it's just like, whatever. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just pessimistic, right? But an apathy comes from it's it's the, the Greek word apathy is tied towards like empathy and sympathy, right? Which is a feeling of a certain type of emotion. But so empathy doesn't necessarily, it, it does inquire that there's some emotion felt, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's, there's just no emotion at all. Yeah. Um, but the one that really caught my, my attention there was the lack of motivation to accomplish goals. And the reason for that is that when you're talking to, in, in our world, students or athletes who should be goal-driven at the time, right? I mean, they've got the whole world in front of them and they're constantly setting goals and working towards things and trying to figure things out. And every day is this new challenge for them. If, if they're becoming, you know, uninterested in accomplishing goals, why is that? And, and I believe... Um, there's some self-worth issues. I think that when, when we feel that my participation in this project, whatever it is, whether it's a, it's, it's a competitive game, it's a, even just a project you might be doing with, you know, at home. If you feel like your participation in that or the skill sets that you bring to that project or, or the team or whatever isn't valued, it doesn't matter, nobody cares, you, then it's very easy to start feeling you know, negative towards yourself. I don't have anything to offer. I'm not any good. So 
then that then leads to, well, then why am I even going to do it? Why even try? No one cares anyway, whether I do well or not. It's not going to be recognized and appreciated, which is a whole other discussion, right? The need to be recognized and the need to be appreciated, the difference between the two. We've talked, I know we've talked about that before, that appreciation is different than being recognized and that we need to show people that we appreciate them, that we don't just recognize something they did, but we appreciate who they are. When people aren't appreciated for who they are, I think it's easy to start falling into that trap of whether or not I show up or not, it doesn't matter. Whether or not I try or not, it doesn't matter. I just have to do this. And then that's a dangerous path because that can really lead to some a pessimistic view of, of the world. And I think to some real heavy mental health issues, when you start feeling like your position in the world doesn't make a difference, you don't have a role to play in this world. And everybody does. And, and making kids and adults feel like you have something to offer and you have something that that's important to the world, but that requires us to get that out of people, to like show interest in people. And and if we feel like there's somebody that might be empathetic or, or uh, sorry, might be apathetic, that we go and what's their thing? Like, how do I get it out of them? How do I get them to talk about their thing? How do I make them feel important? And the truth is they, they know something that we don't know. Everybody's got something, but you know, when people feel like nobody cares about what it is they have or their skill or their talent or hobbies or whatever, then yeah, they're, and if you do that at a young age and you continue to just lose and you're not being appreciated and you're not being recognized, that becomes a very dangerous uh, web that I think some of our kids are spinning around themselves. And then when they go out into the real world with an apathetic view towards what they can provide it, um, I think that leads to lack of production and, and growth and, and a, you know, a, medio, a mediocrity that becomes very dangerous for kids. Yeah, yeah man. I, I mean, that video that you posted really touched me I, because I really see that. I see the connection between apathy and feelings of self-worth. And I thought about uh, from a point of a, point of view of a parent and of a coach, like some of those remedies. And I thought back to some past podcasts that relate. Um, you know, I thought coaching wise, I thought about Doug Meacham, won the state championship this year in basketball, his, his squad did. And, but one of the things that he talked about was recognizing the value that each player brings to a team. Yeah. And sometimes some teams you play on, it's like, you know, you know who your studs are and they're the ones that get all the attention and everyone else is kind of role players, but those roles really aren't yeah. recognized. They aren't valued. And he talked about one time, one game, just setting up his camera. You'll remember this. And, and he set up a camera of the bench he didn't film the the game with this camera. He filmed the bench. And then he watched tape of the bench. And he, he talked about the contributions that kids made. Watch this guy. Watch how encouraging he is. Watch him in the huddle. Watch him cheer. Watch him, you know. And, and sometimes I feel like 
there are certain things in our world that are always going to be valued by the world more than other things, right? But that word that you and I often use that's just become so important to the both of us, I know, is intentional. That if a coach is intentional about discovering the value of each player and honoring it, that might be able to help. And and when you have half a team that's feeling apathetic, you're not going to be a good team, yeah. right? If they're coming and they're the practice squad, for example, let's take basketball just as an example. You know, you got your five practice squad guys that are playing against your five starters. If those guys don't, if their role is not honored and they're just approaching practice feeling like they aren't valued, they're just there to, you know, fill uniforms and, and give the guys practice and, and a coach hasn't intentionally helped them understand how their role contributes to the goals of the team and, and that they aren't honored and, and recognized. And as you like to say, not just recognized, but appreciated for what they bring, the unique aspects they bring, then that, that can lead to feelings of apathy because they don't feel like they're worth much. So why is it that I'm putting in all of this effort to, you know, to show up and to do something that's not recognized, not appreciated, not valued. And then that can spill over into other areas of their life. So before we get to those parenting remedies, do you have any thoughts from the perspective of a coach on those, just that idea of valuing players and how you found, I mean, man, you have, you, you coach a high school football team, that's a hundred kids. So if we put this on a coach, Hey, go make a hundred kids feel valued. But what are, what are some systems or things that you set up? Cause I know this is something that's important to you to try to help every kid feel recognized, appreciated and valued in their role. Well, I'd answer that first by saying that I need to do a lot better and it's difficult. And I recognize that, it's not done as nearly as well as, as it could be in, in any of the teams I've coached over the years. Um, I could, I can't look back at any year where I would feel confident in saying that I was successful at making every kid feel like he had a role and he was appreciated. Um, and the reason for that, maybe it's an excuse, but I think when you've coached, you, you realize how difficult it is, especially if you're coaching in a sport where there's lots of kids um, like there is in football and things is it's just, it's tough to be, give the necessary time to everybody. And because what's a necessary time to one, to one player, you know, might be a completely different thing to another player and, and you can't have two conversations at one time. So you have to have multiple coaches that are all on the same page and that are engaged and, the main thing I would go back to, though, is just it's sort of our motto, and especially for athletes, which is eyes up, is to try to be aware, try to be looking and, and have those conversations, even if it's a quick compliment or, a um, you know, a 20 second conversation with some kids that maybe you don't see. They're not starters. They don't play a lot. You're not having regular conversations with them, but trying to make time to pull those kids aside and just ask them how they are and, how school is and, and what's going on. And, and just so they feel like at least, you know, who they are and, and you're aware of them. The truth is not everybody is going to play. And some kids are going to come and bust their tail every day at practice. And they deserve to 
play every play of every game. They've worked that hard. They just, they're not, they're not big enough. They're not strong enough for whatever reason. And it's just not going to happen. Um, but they need to be appreciated for the effort they've put in. And, but that does take some intentional, as you mentioned, focus and some real, uh, it, it can't be something that's just casually thought of as, yeah, we're going to do that. If, if it's not a, okay, I'm going to find five players today and make sure that I have these conversations with them, it won't happen. You, you, if coaches will have every good intention of doing it, but you get wrapped up in, in game planning and scheming and competition and kids just get missed. Um, yeah. And I would say that we would probably do the same thing at home with kids. We would do the same thing in, at work with coworkers or you know employees is that we have the intention to be these leaders to be these great parents, to be these great coaches. But then once we get in the, the real weeds and the, the stickers and everything that's in there, it's tough, you know, and, and, and you, you forget that to, to celebrate the small victories that kids have and to recognize the small successes and to make them all feel important. So I guess to answer that, you know, a, a long-winded answer to your question is that I think every coach would be um, – would be wise to make it more of an effort to seek out those kids that aren't recognized and appreciated as much. And even if they've got to step away from some of their duties as a coach, because really that is one of their major duties as a coach, but give some of the other day-to-day -day tasks to some assistant coaches or something. So they can be more of the, the recognizer of these things and the, the voice, because they want to hear it from the head coach. You know, they, they every coach is, can say something and it's going to help, but kids want to hear it from the head coach and they want to hear it from mom. They want to hear it from dad, but it's, it's one of those things that if we're not aware of it and then we're not willing to see it, look for it and then do something, we'll miss it every day. We probably do regularly miss kids that are feeling apathetic, that are showing all the signs or adults as well that could use a compliment that could use some sort of recognition or, or words of appreciation and it would, it would help them get through that day or it would turn that light back on in their mind and give them that extra juice to get going. Um, but we just don't do enough of it. And, you know, we can talk about this later, Shad, but it just hit me. I, would I wouldn't mind maybe a little bit here in a minute discussing the activity that we did last weekend with some youth yeah. right at that leadership event that you and I hosted and ran. And kind of because that was a very interesting um, just sort of play out of human interaction and communication and how simple it really is, right? If we right. practice it, we'll, we'll get to that later. But Well, and maybe we could go there now because one of my thoughts, I had two thoughts. So maybe I'll share the first one and then the second one that's very related to that thought. Okay. When I was a teacher, I really worried about kids that um, would kind of just be invisible in my classes, you know? that would come there and sit there, not really comment, ask questions, anything like that. So I started to take a role, just a simple thing. Maybe a coach could do this with a roster and challenge their other coaches, assistant coaches to do it. But I just wanted to be intentional. And I knew that if I just had this general goal, you know, hey, make all kids feel, <laughs> you know, valued as though they're a great contributor to the class. You can have those goals in the back of your head, but sometimes when we don't make them intentional and put processes in place to help you achieve those goals, it just kind of remains a good intention, but it, but not really a, 
yeah. something that's actionable, you know? And so I would take my role and before I went into every class I taught, I would read through the role and, uh, you know, we're both men of faith and, and uh, with, with prayer in my heart, right. That, you know, I would, I would want to know just kind of who do I need to, yeah. I mean, generally, I'm going to try to make everyone feel included and accepted. That's the general goal. That's always there. But today, I'm going to be intentional about this. I would usually select a boy and a girl. Yeah. And if nothing else, if my lesson's horrible today and they don't get the concept and they don't like feel motivated by it, if they don't, and if, uh, you know, whatever happens, I'm not going to leave the classroom without connecting with this boy and this girl. And it would just be in little ways. You know, I would ask them to make a comment and I'd be like, man, I love it when you, when you share stuff. And I love what you bring to our class. You're so awesome. You're so funny. You know, I talked to them before class, ask them how, so what are you up to? What do you do here at the school? You know, what do you, uh, what are you into? What do you do after school? And that's really cool. And ask them questions. So I think um, that's one idea is just putting in a process where we're being intentional. Today, I'm going to go in to practice. And I've really appreciated how hard this number 11 basketball player on our team, I mean, (laughs) number 11, meaning 11th to get in the game, right? Um, But I'm going to make sure he knows he's valued today. I might even pause the team and for 20 seconds be, hey, I don't know if you guys watch, you know, this young man practice or this young lady practice every day. Today, I want you to notice the effort that they give every day. If our whole team gave the effort that they gave, uh, we could win the state championship. So, so and so, thank you so much. You are the man. Like, you know, thank you for what you bring to our team. All right, let's bring it in and get going. You know, like something that simple, but if we're intentional, then we'll do more of that if we put a process. And then the other one, Dustin, leads right to what you were talking about. Um, I think that this, we, we talk often with Dr. Sheldon Martin, and, and he pointed out a few, a few weeks ago um, in one of our podcasts, we quoted him that during this time of their lives is the one time, you know, up until about age, age 11 and 12 in the human development process, uh, parents and close family members play the biggest role in how you feel about yourself. And then from about age, you know, 20 something on that, that happens again, it's your uh, family, your spouse, your children, your parents, your brothers, sisters, whatever. Um, but there is this adolescent window when what their peers think of them is actually has a bigger impact on how they value themselves than a parent, a coach, or whatever. So it might be wise to put some processes in place with team captains and leadership on a team that maybe those, sometimes we just appoint the best player, team captain, we've talked about this, but we don't train them on what their role is. So they think that their role is, for example, to yell at people on the football field when they make a mistake or what, but but they can make such greater contributions if we'll be more intentional about training those captains. And, and that leads to what we did. You know, we have the opportunity right now to meet with the Utah Youth Soccer Association. We are at Rio Tinto Stadium. 
and got to meet with some of the leaders that each of the clubs throughout the state of Utah sent from their club to represent their their teams at all different age levels. And we got to train them on leadership principles. And, and so maybe if you wouldn't mind taking a second and sharing that activity you did and what happened, because I think it shows the power of being intentional about training our, our team captains, our team leaders to do the very things that we're talking about so that everyone feels valued and included. Well, yeah, so the Utah Youth Soccer Association works with about 58,000 soccer players in the state of Utah. We've been doing work with them in, in different varieties for eight years or so. This is the first time we've done this event, which was, as you mentioned, we asked clubs in the state if they wanted to send in some representatives from their clubs, starting, I think, at 11, 12 years old, um, that we would do this you know, some training with them and discuss some different things. And, and we had you and me and, and Stacy Jensen as part of our team come up and she's a longtime coach. And, um, the, the activity that we did that I, I, I knew we'd get, it'd be a positive activity, but I, I honestly didn't think it would go as it went. And that was very simple. Like this isn't rocket science, what we did, but what happened when we, we paired these kids up with somebody they didn't know, gave them three very easy questions to start conversations with the person. I believe it was if they could go anywhere and have dinner tonight, where would it be and what would they order, what their favorite movie was, and then something related to soccer, you know, their favorite move or their favorite moment in a practice or a game that they remember and why, something like that. Anyway. And when we first paired these kids up, they were reluctant to sit down with some stranger that lived, you know, three hours away from them. They didn't know him. And but by the time we got everybody paired up, we asked the question. It was very slow. The audible level in the room was very low. They were almost whispering to each other. There was just there's very little eye contact. Um, and you could tell they were just feeling around the edges. They weren't ready to jump in yet. They were just sticking their toe in the water, but who is this person? What am I doing? And I, I wondered when they were doing it, how many of these kids have had these sorts of conversations with another person that didn't require a meeting to use their thumbs to text it. Right. And then they were having to actually express vocally, which was the point. And we were stressing, look each other in the eyes and and in fact, the first drill we did, they couldn't say anything for a minute. They had to just listen. We discussed this idea of listening with the intent to understand and not with the intent to reply and what that means. And anyway, as we switched and the other person went, and then we the next time around, we said, okay, now dive in. Really find out why they like that movie, like the specifics of it, why they like that restaurant or that food. What's this? Is there a sentimental reason behind the 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 restaurant they go to or the whatever it is? And now they're asking questions and now the the noise level got higher in the room the interaction started hearing laughing you started seeing kids high-fiving each other and like getting along and then and then we had a couple where we were like man they look like your best friends i would there were a handful of kids that you would have not known weren't best friends there they, they just met literally two minutes ago we were less than five minutes into this activity and all sorts of barriers were coming down and fears and kids realized, man, this person's just like me. They're another club. 
probably play against them at some point. Different part of the state, different upbringing, economics, or a bunch of different. Re- they were from all over. And kids were just talking and they were building relationships and they were happy and they were all talking about things they liked to talk about. And they were seeing genuine interest from another human being, body language and things saying, hey, I'm interested in what you're saying. I didn't know that movie. I'll have to watch that movie or wow, that's I've never been to that restaurant. And we like to talk about things that we're passionate about. And so both sides of the party benefited from it. And it was a very, very positive, very positive experiment that we did. We could shut them up. Yeah. Remember, I came over to you. I said, if we don't end this, they'll just talk the rest of the night and with complete strangers. And what if we did that as adults? What if we, why, and why don't we, you know, why you said something before you asked me that question, Chad, when you were talking about what you used to do as a teacher and my mind immediately went to not only coach, but also as a parent. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I pick one of my, I mean, I have more kids than maybe some, but I have, you know, I have five, five kids. But even if you only have one or two, or maybe it's a niece or a nephew or a friend or a neighbor or somebody, somebody in my circle, my, my, my relationship circle, that I want to make sure feel appreciated and recognized every day. And I pick one boy and one girl. It could be a daughter and a son. It could be a niece and a uncle, right? It, whomever, a neighbor and, you know, and a, an old friend from school that I've kind of lost, whatever. And just make sure they know if they have some importance in my life, not only recognizing them, hey, you're important to me, but letting them know why by telling them what it is I appreciate about them, well, the impact they've made on me. I just wanted to make sure you knew that. And like that wouldn't be that hard to do, right? It, we're talking a couple minutes a day, if if that. If, if, heck, it could be a couple text messages if worst case, right? right. Um, but I wonder what would happen just in the family dynamic, starting there maybe. Maybe we start with that. Or the friend dynamic. You know, sometimes we think our friends, they know I love them. They know I'm here for them. But they don't, though. Like, we, th- we, we think people know that we value them and that, why would they be apathetic? Why they have so much to offer, and she knows how much I value her and how much she means to me. But really, when we strip back the, you know, the onion a little bit and get to the core of it, we really haven't been clear in how much we appreciate that person to them. We haven't vocalized it in a way that they really understand it. And if we're going to address apathy. We need to be more compassionate. We need to be more empathetic. And we need to teach kids and help kids feel more empathy and compassion for other people. Realize that other people are struggling too, but that they we need them and they need us and we need each other. And everybody's got to be helping and appreciating each other and, and learning from each other. And, and that's how we address apathetic kids because it is a very, very serious problem that's affecting our community, um, these feelings of apathy and not caring and, and, and not feeling like they have a value or a place in the world. And as adults, I think it's our responsibility to these kids to make sure they know that they do. And you gave some, some great counsel there when what you did as a teacher isn't, you don't have to be a teacher to exercise that. And what we did with those kids and having teaching them to just Look at somebody and let them talk and ask follow-up questions. Don't just 
ask one question and end it that. Dig a little bit, pry a little bit, get them to open up and really explain to you more. We had a girl say the reason she loved to, you know, go, I think it was go to eat somewhere is because it was a place she always went with her dad. Well, that was, it wasn't so much the food. It was that that was a restaurant she remembered going to with her dad. So she had some real emotion. So now she's talking about her dad and this to this stranger. And they, they, there was impossible for them not to make a connection. But it just took discussion, looking at somebody and, you know, and looking into them a little bit and, and then being interested in them. I think that's how we can immediately address apathetic people in our circles. Dustin, there is also research about what that does for us as individuals um, living with gratitude, you know, oh, yeah. is a, has a huge impact on our own feelings. And I love what you said. I appreciate that. You know, every now and then, too, an out of the blue text, call, whatever it might be, sometimes has more impact than when it's in the moment, right? Like, let's say someone does something really nice for, especially for athletes. You know, we have a lot of generous people who believe in what we do. We're a nonprofit. They donate to it. They, you know, they really believe in it. And of course, like, you know, at a banquet or whatever, it's so commonplace. Hey, just want to let you know how much we appreciate you and what you do for our program. That's kind of expected. But what if today, you know, they just get this random text. Hey, Gosh, I was just, you know, this morning getting ready for the day, getting ready to do everything that we do. And um, and I, I just thought of how much you do for us and how yeah. much you do. And I, I just wanted you to know how much we appreciate you. And And then if we're more intentional about that, think of the power that a parent, like you said, could have. Pick a kid, man, every day. I only have three. I, I can't pick between boys and girls because I only have girls. But, uh, but. What if I just every day, today, I'm going to make sure that my daughter, my oldest feels valued, feels special, feels loved, knows her contribution. And one of the other little things that I thought about, as you said, that kind of mid-thought here is it's important, as we talked about in previous podcasts, not the podium stuff, not the accomplishment stuff, you know, man, I was thinking about how you know, the scholarship you got, or I was thinking about the game you won or the home run you hit, or not that that stuff's bad, but it's more powerful when we're talking about characteristics. I'm so, I was just thinking about how hard you work. I was just thinking about how kind you are to everyone. And I hope you know just the impact you have on those around you. That is more impactful than talking about accomplishments. But if I were to take my oldest one day and, you know, my my middle the next and my youngest and then my wife and think about the impact on the way people value themselves and the contribution they make if uncles and aunts were that way. Just to get a, we both have lots of nieces and nephews that we love and, you know, just to all of a sudden, Uncle Dustin, you know, gives a text, hey, I was just thinking about you and how kind you've always been to my my daughters and the great example you are. And I, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. That stuff helps people understand their value. And maybe, maybe to kind of move on to another point after I would love just whatever thoughts you have to close this part of, of the apathy, the value part of it. Um, 
just that word intentional, you know, if we're more intentional as leaders and if we help the leaders of our teams, I, I really believe this is the stuff we should pull our team captains and leaders in and say, okay, job number one, forget about everything else. Forget about wins and losses. Forget about all that stuff right now. Your job, if you're going to be a captain on this team, you don't have to be. You can relinquish this role. But if you're going to be a captain on this team, your number one job is to intentionally think about how you can make everyone on this team feel valued, accepted, uh, you know, appreciated, recognized. That is your job. So yeah. today I'm going to give you an hour to go and talk about some things you could put in place to make sure everyone feels part of this team. We could be more intentional about that stuff and and I think it would lead to less apathy as people recognize their value. Any closing thoughts on that one, Dustin, before I bring No, up I think you wrapped that up perfect. It's it's something that's there that we've got to address, and, and it, it will only be addressed if we are willing to get our hands dirty and, and kind of dive into it a little bit. And, and uh, that doesn't happen if we don't look for it, look for the signs of it. And then when we see it, err on the side of, of appreciating somebody versus not saying something, right? Show show we should appreciate something in everybody that's a part of our circle otherwise they probably shouldn't be in our circle right so let's if, but they need to know that we need to vocalize it and show them and write them and be be in, as you mentioned intentional and and even over the top with it if we have to so that there's no doubt they know what they are to me and, and the piece they play in my life and don't assume that the person that seems like everything is going right in their life isn't just putting, you know, that they are because they might be putting up a front and down deep, really hurting and meeting somebody. So we need to assume that everybody's fighting something because everybody is. That's the truth. That's true, man. OK, can I bring up another apathy as I pondered this topic? I think one thing we have going on in our world, and I know it's going on in our world, at least a little bit because it's what I've experienced. I, I really thought about what leads to my feelings of apathy. And sometimes there is so much on the plate of an individual. Um, there's just like so much to do that it kind of feels overwhelming. Yeah. They don't even know where to start. And starting is really hard. So for an example, anyone who's had kids and tried to get them to clean their room, and if they've ever had a kid who had a room that became a disaster, right? And you tell your kid, just go in there and clean your room. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had yeah. this experience, but you walk in an hour later and they're like sitting there on their bed, like, I don't even know like, sure. where yeah. to start, right? Yeah. And you have to coach them a little bit as a parent. Okay, first thing, get all clean clothes on your bed. Second yeah. thing, let's get all the dirty clothes in your laundry. Okay, awesome. Now we can see the floor. Now let's start working on, you know, <laughs> that over. I felt it. I have felt looking at a day with tasks or looking yeah. at a job like that. I remember when I was putting in my yard, uh, you know, boy, first I got to get the rocks. Out, and it yeah. just, you look at it and it's yeah. like, it's hard to start. And so, so how do we remedy that. And I, have you read this book, Dustin, Atomic Habits? No. You've heard me talking about it a lot. Yeah. I love it, man. I, I recommend this, especially um, 
athletes, uh, parents of athletes, these processes that we put in place. He talks a lot about that. It's really great stuff. Um, and so practical. It's not one of these books that you read and it, it, it's just very practical, but I want to read something that he said, uh, about this, um, something that holds us back is like, there's kind of two things. One, the overwhelming feeling of I got to do all this stuff. And then the other is maybe related, the, the brother or sister of that is, and when I do it, it has to be perfect. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to do it until I can do it perfectly. So he, he shared this, um, this experience. On the first day of class, Jerry Eulisman, I'm sure I got that wrong. A professor of University of Florida divided his film photography students into two groups. Everyone on the left side of the classroom, he explained, would be in the quantity group. They would be graded solely on the amount of work they produced. On the final day of class, he would tally the number of photos submitted by each student. 100 photos would rate an A, 90 photos a B, 80 photos a C, and so on. Meanwhile, everyone on the right side of the room would be in the quality group. They would be graded on only on the excellence of their work. They would only need to produce one photo during the semester, but to get an A, it had to be a nearly perfect image. At the end of the term, he was surprised to find that all of the best photos were produced by the quantity group. During the semester, these students were busy taking photos, experimenting with composition and lighting, testing out various methods in the darkroom, learning from their mistakes. In the process of creating hundreds of photos, they honed their skills. Meanwhile, the quality group sat around speculating about perfection. In the end, they had little to show for their efforts other than unverified theories and one mediocre photo. It is easy to get bogged down trying to find the optimal plan for change. The fastest way to lose weight, the best program to build muscle, the perfect idea for a side hustle. We are so focused on figuring out the best approach that we never get around to taking action. As Voltaire once wrote, the best is the enemy of the good. And then he closed that little portion with this. So this part's just really cool. He talked about how when we're planning, it makes us have this idea that we're in motion, even though we're very static, right? And so he says this, motion makes you feel like you're getting things done, but really you're just preparing to get something done. When preparation becomes a form of procrastination, you need to change something. You don't want to merely be planning. You want to be practicing. If you want to master a habit, the key is to start with repetition, not perfection. You don't need to map out every feature of a new habit. You just need to practice it. I, I just love that thought because I, I feel like sometimes we get this line, when preparation becomes a form of procrastination, you need to change something. And yeah. I think that one thing that leads to that feeling of apathetic feelings is, oh, it's got to be perfect. You know, it's got to, I got to have a perfect plan. I have to have it all mapped out. And the other thing is, you know, going back to that, that w w you just got to get going. You just got to start something. How, what's the best way to start picking up a room? Just pick up one thing. What's the best yeah. way to start writing a book? Write a paragraph, yeah. you know, and 
And so I'd love to know your thoughts on that concept that sometimes perfection leads to apathy. Planning yeah. leads to apathy. I love that. And I, and I think you're spot on that that is a absolutely a major cause for the, the dangers of apathy to creep into somebody's life. And we've all been there. And, and listening to you say that, I had several things pop into my head of things that I've just, it's just, it, I, I have every intention of doing it, but it's so daunting that it's just like, I'll just do it tomorrow, right? I, and then it becomes, we, we put it on the someday day of the calendar, which we know, you know, we, we've talked about that before, doesn't exist. So it's, it stays on someday forever, but yeah, that is, that is spot on in the case of, you know, I'm thinking in the case of athletics in the case of sports, it's we, we, because the end goal is so broadcast and, and it's so big now it's social media makes everything appear that it's, you know, that's so great. The, the reward at the end of this can be so big and there's massive scholarships and, NIL deals and popularity and fame and all these things that the thought of getting there um, and the work and everything that goes in, you're told, kids are told all the time, the amount of work you're going to have to do to get there and how hard it's going to be and how great your grades have to be and how that a lot of kids are like, well, okay, forget it then. Like this, I'm not, why even play then? There's no way. I have a coach who, those who live in Utah would know, who's a friend of mine, a college coach who has a son who's a very good football player at a very good school who was contemplating whether or not he was going to play a senior year where he started as a junior. This is a team that could win the state championship contemplated whether or not, God, I really want to do it or not. The primary reason being he hasn't been offered a scholarship yet and others have. And so that feeling of, well, then what am I doing this for? And his dad was like, wait a minute, what are you doing it for? Like, we're not doing it for that. That's not the primary focus of this, but he's the kid's so, and he's not alone. That's a lot of kids are so overwhelmed with everything that's going on around them. Everybody that's getting so much attention and that's getting so much, you know, and social media just fuels this, of course, that it's like, well, I'm not going to get that. So why even do it? Or the, the road to get there is so difficult and so hard as you mentioned, why even try? And now they become apathetic to something that is, is surprising. They shouldn't be. Um, but the key is, as you mentioned, to just get started, to just do something, right? To take the first step. My brother has a, he's, he's given me multiple times the advice, write down what it is you need to get done today. You have your to-do list, but then you got to take five of them and say, that's what's today's to-do list. And once those five are done, if they get done at two in the afternoon, then, okay, then you got some free time. Because what I'll do is I'm sure the same thing other people do. I'll just keep checking stuff off. And next thing I know, it's 10 o'clock and I'm still on my phone working or answering something or doing something. And I missed time with my son or my daughter or my wife or other responsibility that I had. But I justified it while I was working. I was doing something that I needed to do. But that reverts back to our first principle of especially for athletes, win the hour. If I was busy all day, but I didn't win the hours of the day, I there were days, hours in that day I needed to be doing something else. Yeah. But you never, the, the, the key is changing the habit. And it's, I love that idea of just getting going, not stop preparing uh, and stop. How many times have we said how our 
you know, and you're a parent, our kids will, will take them to the park or we had it once where we just went up to the, the we went up to Salt Lake. We live about an hour from Salt Lake. We didn't know where to go. We had a week, long weekend. Hey, let's take the kids wanted to go swimming. Let's go get a hotel room. We went up to just a regular old hotel in Salt Lake. The next day we took them to some places down in Salt Lake, showed them some things, but it was just a regular old hotel. We spent the whole day doing things and seeing things. They came back and swam in this average pool. Mm-hmm. Not a, this was not a resort and came home and loved every bit of the vacation. And I thought, how much have we spent trying to plan the perfect Disneyland trip or the cruise or the, you know, these major events that are going to take all this time and preparation and money and all these things. My kids couldn't have had a more fun time just hanging out at the pool with dad and some random hotel 45 minutes from the house and going to eat at Wendy's that night. Like it was just being with each other, right? It was just, we didn't, we put off doing something for so long because it was so difficult to plan and it was so hard to organize and going to be so expensive. If we had just done more of the, hey, let's just get in the car and go and put a tent up somewhere tonight. We would have made a positive memory, but we get bogged down by, all the other stuff, as you mentioned, it's got to be perfect. Yeah, he, uh, James Clear, the author of this book, he actually talks about something called the two minute rule, which I've employed since I've read it. He said, if you're trying to build a new habit, or if there's something that you need to get going, you know, to overcome that apathy, just say, okay, I'll do it for two minutes. Like you could do anything for two minutes, you know. Yeah. And so don't don't commit to. I'm going to do this workout plan that's an hour and a half at the gym every single day, six days a week with one day break. Yeah. Um, just, just say, I'm going to start by waking up. I'm going to put on my shoes and I'm going to go for a five, a two minute walk. Yeah. He calls it two minutes, but, and usually what happens when you get up and get doing something is once you're like, get over that threshold of actually doing instead of planning, Yeah. then it's not that big of a deal to keep going. It reminds me of um, when Justin Sua was talking about what they teach with the Tampa Bay Rays about winning the morning and that it's like a rocket ship. You know, it takes all that energy to get off the launch pad, but once it's up in space, it's just these little bursts of energy yeah. after it's overcome gravity to get it where it, where it needs to go. And likewise, sometimes it's just that getting going. If, if you're feeling apathetic, just, just commit to the first two minutes, you know, yeah, just commit to that. some people don't work out because they don't want to change clothes. Yeah. So a good goal to overcome apathy is when I get home from work, I'm going to put on some clothes that I can exercise in. Yeah. That's going to be my goal this week, you know, and overcoming that initial threshold will help you to overcome apathy. You and I were both in a meeting where this was shared recently, Dustin, but there's this poem written by Henry Van Dyke that's posted on a sundial at Wells College in New York. Uh, and it, it reads this. So, you know, that sundial for, for those who don't even know what uh, VHS tapes are. I'm just kidding. But you know, yeah, yeah. Telling time by the shadow of yeah. the sun, right? And I love this. The shadow by my finger cast divides the future from the past. Before it sleeps the unborn hour 
in darkness and beyond thy power. Behind its unreturning line, the vanished hour, no longer thine. One hour alone is in thine hands, the now on which the shadow stands. I love that poem. It goes so, it's like someone wrote a poem about when the hour, right? But sometimes we just get so bogged down by the perfectification, the perfect plan. I need to write perfectly before I do a book. You and I have done two books together and you know that, man, you got to sit down and get writing. Who cares? First, just get all your thoughts out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then you begin to refine it and you get a little bit better at it. And, and so, you know, that, that was just another thought of overcoming apathy of this. Let's, let's let perfection fall by the wayside and let's just overcome that, that obstacle of getting started by not worrying about perfection. Just going back to that analogy we started with, just start taking pictures if you'll just start taking pictures instead of worrying about the perfect picture, just that process of going and doing will end up with a better result than, than if you tried for perfection. And sometimes with our kids, I, I like what you said with social media and everything else. There's just this, everything has to be perfect sometimes. And there are kids where that's a big part. They are such a perfectionist that they're apathetic. And it's weird to think that those two things connect to each other, but there is a connection between those two things because there's this reluctance to do anything imperfectly. And that could lead to apathy and lead to people feeling frozen in time because they just can't get going. And so anyway, that was my thought on that subject of apathy. uh, That was my thought on that subject of apathy is just get going, take away the perfection standard and just get doing stuff. And mm-hmm. that two minute rule might help and help us overcome that. So yeah, the, old, the, old phrase, the old phrase, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, I think it's important for us to remember that, that not everything is, there's a lot to do. We're not, we're not going to get to everything today or this week or this month, but what we can do today, set a goal to get those things done, be realistic with it and be okay with getting those things done and, and be doing the same with the kids we coach or our, parents, our own kids that when we give them all the things they need to do that we stop back and think of, or stop and think for a second, look back at all of the things I just told my son or daughter that he or she needs to do. Um, and can they really get all those things done? Did I just pile on all sorts of pressure and loads onto them that, they're dealing with other things that I don't know about at school and in other areas that what did I just pile on instead of maybe saying, Hey, let's start today by making the bed and then we'll get to the other stuff later. Or let's start by getting a little bit more sleep today. And then we'll work on getting eight to nine hours of sleep, but let's make like just little things to get them going, let them see they can accomplish it. And, and then it'll bleed to the other things, but you're right. We, I believe you're spot on that that lack of worth, lack of feeling productive, and is oftentimes because we're afraid of failure and we're afraid of not being perfect. And so if we're not going to be perfect or if we're not guaranteed to win or to be recognized at the end of whatever it is we're doing, then we just don't want to try instead of understanding that either way, 
we're proud of the effort. We're proud of you for trying and, and making a big deal about the effort that those we coach and work with are putting into something, not as big a deal on the result of it and appreciating more rather than just recognizing successes, appreciate effort, appreciate relationships instead of constantly recognizing success and recognizing failure because that's how apathy starts to creep its, itself into our lives. And then once it grabs hold of us, it's a hard one because there's, it's really easy to be apathetic and scroll through it and stay busy doing unimportant, wasteful things nowadays, scrolling through your phone for an hour, playing Xbox for two hours. There's a lot of things you can do and we can do to feel busy and like we're doing things, but it, it's, it's the, that's sort of the, the, the treat for apathy. Right, is scroll through Instagram for a button and feel like I'm doing something, but it's because I'm apathetic towards the stuff I need to do. To your point, because the things I need to do are so many, I'm not going to get to it at all today. So I'm not even going to get started. And then it never gets done. And then eventually we give up on it. So Piles I think those are all good. Yeah, good things to be aware of in our own lives to think about. And, and, and you know, I've been thinking as you've been talking and Hopefully people listening are, are thinking of some things in their own life personally, but also in those that they have influence over is how can we be a little bit better at those things? And I would to sum up what you said, just get started in those hard things, but be patient with it and be aware of those signs of apathy in those in our kids and recognize and appreciate and point out and celebrate the small victories and talk and look people in the eyes and listen more and listen with the intent to understand and and then i love your maybe that's the challenge let's find a boy and a girl every day in our circle or in our life and do something to let them know how much we appreciate them and if we just all could practice that alone if everyone who listened to this could practice that habit alone which would take five minutes of their day thousands of people's lives would be impacted for good every day it's again and that's just the getting started then maybe that leads to i'm going to do it to 10 people a day but i think that's how we address these cultural and you know characteristic uh type challenges that we're trying to focus on is just get started doing something well hey thanks dustin so much those were some awesome thoughts it's got me thinking makes me want to go and send a few text messages i have some people in mind and and so thank you everyone for joining us on the Sportlight Podcast. We hope that you'll subscribe to this, rate it, comment on it, share it with people that would benefit from it, have the same interests as you do. And thus we do have those two events coming up, May 3rd and May 5th. May 3rd in Lehigh at the Kiln Building and, and May 5th in Spanish Fork at the Shalon Reception Center. And we're very excited for those. Anything you wanna say about those to close? Please come if, if you have a child, um, plays sports, doesn't play sports, wants to come and be a part of a, just a cool leadership course. And uh, we're going to discuss topics similar to what we discussed today. We have some guest speakers coming. Um, Jaron Hall, who's current quarterback at, at BYU, longtime member, especially for athletes. Allie Bills, who's a, who's a, a terrific collegiate basketball player and then a college basketball coach will also be speaking. And yeah, you can go to our website, all the information's there. Register. It's free of charge. We just are trying to get kids to start coming to more of these events that we're going to be. We're testing these and see if there's interest in them. And we assume and hope there will be. And if so, 
We're gonna be doing more regular ones starting next fall, trying to do one a month where uh, your players or children can come and, and adults and, and come and listen to us discuss different topics with other guests and people we know and sort of dive into some of these types of things we do on the podcast, but do it in a setting with, a, with people and, and really have an open forum and open discussion where we can discuss things like this with kids and get their thoughts and, and challenge them. So yeah, third and fifth, if you want to go to e4a.org, the information's there. Awesome. And we'll put the link in the show notes as well. So thank you, Dustin. Eyes up. Do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.